And welcome back to episode 44 of the Radical Nishantman podcast. Today we have a new Prime Minister, absolute classic, and a lot more to get into. There has been so much happening in the world from World War Three, new Prime Minister, economic crash, ev- like things are just going absolutely bonkers right now. But if this is the first time seeing me or hearing me, hello, my name is Rory Jacobs, host of this podcast. This is an anti-government libertarian podcast where we focus on real issues with real people having real conversations. So thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. But let's jump straight into Rishi Sunak, who is currently, I say currently, I mean, like he is right now, unless, you know, something changes and this goes out before whatever so for anyone who doesn't know this man is kind of the definition of a elite politician you know from his smile at the end of a recent interview where he just held it just like an absolute weirdo to his background how rich he is the connections he has what he's actually said what he's done like this man is just an absolute elite and i don't use that word lightly all right you know there's there is a lot of elites, but this man is, you know, what's the word? Creme of the creme. Creme, is that what you said? Fuck knows. Um, but this man is, you know, up there with just some of the most elite people in the country, close to, in fact, nearly the world. So he went to Winchester College and Winchester, one of the most affluent places uh, in the UK. And he done philosophy, politics and economics at Lincoln College, Oxford and earned an MBA from Stanford University, another very prestigious university. And he basically married his wife, who is daughter of like a billionaire and basically have a combined um, income or I don't know, fortune is what they're saying, of 2022 of 730 million. So it's not like they're just, you know, they got a few quid here and there. These people are minted. And this is the new prime minister we have. And I'll be honest, when the whole race was going on, I was hoping Penny Morden would go in. Now, personally, I disagree with her on so much, you know, endless things. However, one, she's from Portsmouth, so that would be great. She always talks, she's got a proper love for the city. And I respect that. Second of all, it's principled. I saw on GB News, she gave a good analysis. She had a nuanced perspective. She was honest, most importantly. She was really honest about what she thought about things and was really cut through the bullshit. Um, And also, she just seems like generally such a better option than this man. And not only that about Penny, she's actually a lot more normal. She had struggles for money when she was younger. Her mum died when she was 15. Like, I'd much prefer someone like her from Portsmouth, you know, a proper city, than Rishi Sunak, just just the embodiment of an elite. So, I, I don't think this is good news at all. Um, what One thing I have to say about um, Rishi Sunak is this. So, this is from the Daily Skeptic. So this is a good thing to remember, actually. So as Rishi Sunak prepares to become UK Prime Minister, after all his opponents have dropped out, it's worth recalling what he said during the leadership race in the summer about lockdowns. As part of his leadership pitch to Tory party members, he boasted that he was responsible for stopping lockdown in December 2021 when he cut short an overseas trip and flew back to London to intervene. So this is important to account. we got to give credits where credit's due. If someone's an absolute elite... And an absolute, like, you know, just the most disconnected person possible. When they do something good, you still got to give them credit. And for me, as a libertarian and as pe- you pe- you guys listening who might be libertarians, who might be anti-government yourself, you got to appreciate this man did step in 
and actually push back against a lot of the bollocks, you know, Boris was doing when it came to lockdown. So in that respect, I got some admiration. However, he says like, oh, he was against it all along. Well, then why the fuck didn't you say anything, cunt? You know, like, is are we supposed to like give you a round of applause at the end? Oh, wait, oh, wait. He, it turns out he was against lockdown. Well, if you're not going to say anything in the time, it just means you're more of a coward. Because he actually said that in an interview. I think it was an interview or an article where he was like, well, I was actually against all of the, you know, like draconian rules and regulations. We shouldn't, like, I've done it and stuff. And it's like, well, why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you do anything about it? It was only till there was that massive Tory rebellion where things started to kind of roll. But anyway, um, and that was from an interview with Andrew Moore on LBC. Um, and he says, we were hours away from a press conference that was going to lock this country down again because of Omicron. And I back and fought very hard against the system because I believe that would be wrong thing to do for the country with all the damage it would have done to business, to children's education, to people's lives. So fair play. I rate that he was an anti. Um, and also, I just wanted to make sure for YouTube, this is not health advice go to nhs website go to gov.uk this is not medical advice check talk to your own personal health professional talk to your own personal doctor about what you need for yourself this is not medical advice go to nhs website go to gov.uk um just had to clear that one up so you know when you look at what he's done with his life he is an elite now i'm not saying that you know oh you can't be rich and whatever and go into politics like i think there's a lot of good wealthy people who've done a lot of great things however it's just an endless cycle of elitism you know you got boris you know just when is there going to be someone who's like an actual somewhat regular person it's like that's why i think if penny got in even though i disagree with economics and a lot at least it would have been someone who's actually like not just an absolute elite because how many how many more times can we just have the same thing oxford or cambridge or you know their family's a millionaire or you know it's just like at what point can someone who's normal just get in and it's like that's why i want third parties to cut to rise up you know libertarian party together declaration you know it's, well, they're not actually a party right now but they're actually standing a local council which is impressive but back to uh kind of rishi sunak and what are my actual thoughts about this man so he spoke a lot about crypto um and this is a very important thing because for anyone who doesn't know cbdc central bank digital currencies have been drastically on the rise and this man has been one to push for it in the in the crypto space so a central bank digital currency is basically an online currency that other countries are doing like china where it tracks what you buy and what you buy on and it's basically when you think of black mirror of you go to the supermarket you scan something and then it kind of allows you to buy something it's pretty much that it's a way of governments controlling every single aspect of your life and the most important aspect what you spend your money on so <clears throat> the future lies like this you go to the shop to buy some petrol right with the shop i mean the garage right oh i want to go out on holiday this year so i'm going to get some petrol oh wait no your carbon limit is you you've used over your carbon footprint this month oh you can't go on holiday wait hang on but i want to but that's the thing you don't own your money so you have no choice so your card will get rejected or however you're paying for it and then that's it now i'm the shittest person explaining that but 
that's basically a rough approximation of what the fuck a CBDC is. It's a way that the government has centralized authority and control over you and what you spend your money is. And people go, oh, well, we can we can track the criminals better. We can track this and that. That For a start, there'll be loads of black markets set up as soon as that. There might even be a black market of gold for people who do an illegal activity. So one, it won't stop that. And two... I'm sorry, but there's so many things you can do in life to prevent things from happening. Good example, speed limits. You could lower the speed limit and less people would die. Why don't you do that? Because we believe in some individual responsibility, even though we know that it would save lives. There's certain things we accept as a society of risk. And this is absolutely nuts. So I just want to play this video back from, I'm not sure what year it was. Um, but this is pretty much what he says about CBDCs. And all the dystopian shit like that. Just have a listen. Just playing one sec. Oh, for fuck's sake. Hang on, hang on. Sorry about this, lads. Or ladies. Today right, here we go. Sorry about that. Three, two, one. Today, I'm proud to say that under the UK's presidency, the group of the world's seven most advanced economies, the G7, is launching a set of public policy principles for retail central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Central bank digital currencies could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote that could be used alongside physical notes and coins. Unlike Just want to stop you there. So right now, they're going in that can be used with it. It can be used with banknotes and coins, but hang on. Key thing is, if people accept CBDCs, there's no going back to coins and money. It's only going to progress to the point where it is only central bank digital currencies. And if you don't believe me, look at what countries are doing with, with the tryouts. They're incentivizing people to start using them and giving people extra money. So I'll give you a perfect example how this can be manipulated. So the government could come out and say, you will get 10 grand through your CBDC money, you'll get 10 grand on that if you decide to fully go into using that and only that. So we, what you'll be saying, you'll be saying to the population, do you want 10 grand for free? If so, use this. Are you? And people might say, oh, well, no, no one would do that. I think a lot of people would. And one of the main reasons people would is because one, people are absolutely broke right now, completely broke. Two, sorry, I fucking lost my train of thought a little bit. Oh yeah, the second one is people don't have a like brain when it comes to freedom. The, these, these are hard truths. You look at the past two years, people, even when all of the data was coming out, when the Great Barrington Declaration got written, everything, people, even then, even then, still think that certain health policies were a good idea. So, and it was all incremental. It didn't just start with, you know, it start, remember what it started with? Two weeks to slow the spread. That's what it started with. So if anyone here thinks that kind of, oh wait, it's just going to be used with it. You, well, come on, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Look at what has happened. Use history as a compass for the future. And if you do... I think that it's very clear what will happen if people seriously accept this. And it won't there will be incentives to use CBDCs. Don't get me wrong. It won't it will be tempting. There'll be times where 
like you know you'll be short of money or whatever and there there's all this propaganda around it and you just want to use it but i'm telling you the resistance is starting to begin for cbdc's now you know i mean it's trending on twitter regularly but yeah i'll just go on most of the digital money people use daily today it would be issued directly by a central bank like the bank of england in the uk and governments and central banks across the world are working together looking into what having a digital currency might mean in practice. This includes issues that people care about, such as ensuring users' money would be safe and secure, that it could work with other ways to pay. Oh yeah, like the current money system where governments can print out of thin air and the actual money is backed by absolutely nothing but faith in the system and all fiat money in history has collapsed yeah yeah that's 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 very secure isn't it i mean it's what he's saying is he's saying this will be secure but it's like the system now is broken why the hell would we trust the same people who have the rigged system of fiat money making a new thing which is even more insane and we trust that system and the thing about cbdc's you get locked in there's no getting away from it but yeah a would be energy efficient and available to everyone a potential cbdc could offer businesses and consumers new ways to pay in the future. It's all part of the wider story of digital innovation that has delivered benefits to millions around the world and in the UK. The decision on whether to launch a central bank digital currency is for each country to make, and no G7 jurisdiction has yet made that choice. These decisions raise important questions about the reshaping of our economy, financial systems, and the way in which people interact with money and payments. That's why working together and careful evaluation with our international partners is essential. In the UK earlier this year, I announced a new joint task force between the Treasury and the Bank of England to look into a potential CBDC as a complement to cash and bank deposits. We're also hearing from firms, technology experts and others. Under the leadership of the UK, this report today will help support and inform exploration of CBDCs in the G7 and beyond. With these principles, the G7 is leading an important step change in the global policy conversation. The report covers a range of important matters, such as financial stability, cyber resilience, energy efficiency, privacy, inclusion, and tackling illicit finance. These factors should all be considered when designing and potentially delivering a CBDC that would be fit for the future. Our shared objective is to ensure that CBDCs would be grounded in long-standing commitments to transparency, the rule of law and sound economic governance. The G7 will continue its work in this important area, working with others to enhance understanding and use of these principles. We're excited to be yeah i think you get the message i probably delayed it a bit long there but anyway the former golden sachs wife banker and his wife are reported to be worth again 730 million um and it's this article pretty much is about how he's a massive um like enemy of the crypto space because he's again pushing cbdc's so you know, this is disturbing shit. On October 14th, 2021, during this time, uh, as UK Chancellor under Boris Johnson, the Treasury posted a video of Sunak discussing the concept of CBDCs. As part of the launch of G7's public policy principles, Sunak said global governments and central banks are examining how CBDCs could work in practice. He called this movement part of the story of digital innovation. 
or digital dystopian Asian, is that even a word? I don't know. But as you can see, this man is no friend of liberty. He's no friend of... Well, he done some good things um, to do with lockdown. Um, he was a coward for the most part. And I'm I'm not, not a fan of him. And, you know, when you look at what he's doing, I'm a libertarian, but he said that he's not even going to raise... He hasn't confirmed he's going to raise uh, benefits through with inflation. Personally, I think that's wrong. I think people need support right now more than ever especially those i think on benefits and i think what should be done now is it should be focusing on families helping families survive because you know it's just an absolute it's just chaos out there and you know while i'm a bit right wing on economics i do think right now there needs to be government support um for sure when it comes to many issues like uh be benefits because it's it's just getting extremely out of hand i think um and I, f I think like right now the only way is just to help people a bit because you like it's it the place is just in absolute turmoil with energy prices inflation like food prices are ridiculous like so many things that are just absolutely nuts and personally right now like we're we're, we're walking into world war three we got an economic like just mountain of a disaster over here it is not good times in the UK right now at all. But this is an interesting story which I saw and I thought is very important to talk about because it, it it goes on a, a lot more of a broader spectrum, I think, about what needs to be addressed about kind of... The, kind of I don't... People say it all the time, but the wokeness in universities. But more importantly, the fascistic tendencies of people in universities. So this, this is very interesting. So stop this right now. Pro-life speaker, Edinburgh University interrupted by students. So I'm just going to play this video. If you're uh, listening, you'll be able to hear the audio. But I, I just want you to hear kind of what happens. So if you're listening, pretty much what happens is people barge in to a hall of peaceful people just having a discussion and they say we're not allowing this we're stopping you speaking so here we go stop this talk right now we are discussing this talk we're not letting you spread your harmful rhetoric against people with uteruses stop this right now we are claiming this space students are not okay with this group coming here to spread harmful rhetoric stop it This organization has been targeting and harassing people with uteruses coming out of abortion clinics in Edinburgh for years already. And we the students are not okay with this. And I'm guessing a lot of the people who are here sympathize with what I'm saying. Right, so there we go. So they storm in, they get the mic friends out, they're raging. What are my thoughts? So the reason I think this is an important story is People in universities are so anti-freedom of speech, it's unreal. So these people storm into a peaceful gathering. And the thing I love about this is all of the people sat there, didn't even get up, they didn't do any of that. They just looked at them in kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? And the people who walked in were so in a bubble that they generally thought that them storming in there, trying to shut down a conversation is like a just thing. And I know that these people call themselves liberals quote-unquote but they're going in there shutting down conversation which is one of the most fascistic things you can possibly do shutting down speech with force 
who did that just look at history who were the people doing that and it like this happens all the time i remember when jordan peterson went to oxford there were people saying like they were trying to like mob him when steve bannon went there they were like well more with jordan peterson but they were like oh we're not having nazis on campus like people in universities it's a generalization but it is getting more and more true just can't handle difference of opinion they cannot handle it and while i don't know if it is true that these this pro-life organization has been harassing women at abortion clinics they might have been handing out leaflets i don't know i I don't know how true that is because these people are saying all this nonsense through the megaphone i don't know if they would actually say like what they're saying is nonsense i don't know but like and also i I love how there was all these posters saying my body my choice and it's like I almost guarantee to the fucking T that these people were silent during lockdown. I guarantee. I guarantee during all the mandates. Um, I, I guarantee these people aren't out there advocating to reinstate care home workers. The 40,000 people who lost their livelihoods due to the mandate. I guarantee they're not there saying my body, my choice. I guarantee they're not there standing up for healthcare workers around the world. But instead... They're using an issue that's going on in America and they're talking about it without talking about the thousands of people who lost everything because they didn't want to do something with their body. And they're here in a university going around screaming about, oh, you can't have a discussion or whatever. Just pathetic, I think. And the crazy thing is, the crazy thing about this is, let's say there was some, you know, um, very right-wing person speaking and and like people wait no sorry i I got that wrong (laughs) let's say there was a um very left-wing speaker talking about i don't know uh like critical race theory or something like that and there was a bunch of right-wingers who came storming in with a microphone saying we're not allowing this this isn't you're not allowed to talk about this we don't allow it imagine what the reaction would be and like the the university would instantly be like, no, we got to uphold freedom of speech on on the university campus. But instead, because it's the other way around, it's like, oh wait, no, no, it's fine. And people want to be like, oh well, you're just being hyperbolic, using the classic, um, talking about left wing extremism, whatever. I'm not even calling it extremism. I'm just saying there are clear biases in universities when it comes to what political leanings. Like other like. What what I've actually wanted to do is go out of a microphone and go to one of these kind of, you know, anti-pro-life marches or whatever and just interview them and say, so I guess you were very vocal during um during the past two years then of the, especially with the care home workers, I guess you've been relentlessly campaigning to get their, um, their life back. And I just, I'd love to see the reaction because it triggers me so much because it's just the amount of like campaigning and work that was done to kind of fight fight it for uh the nhs right and the, the mandate and and like the fact that these people are here you know chanting about even a conversation about you know some pro-life uh people having a peaceful but looks of it interesting discussion and these people storm in personally i'm pro-choice you know However, I don't believe that, you know, pro-life people are Satan. I don't believe that people who are pro-choice are Satan. But what I do see is I see a lot of hypocrisy. And I'll, I'll call it out again. I'll call it out on both sides. I see hypocrisy on the pro-life side as well. They're talking to my body, my choice. No, no, sorry. They're my body, my choice during COVID. 
when it turns around they don't talk about my body my choice but then their argument is you you get like constitutional rights when you're alive and then the whole argument is when are you alive so i know this it's quite um convoluted that type of argument but i do think there's hypocrisy on both sides but i think it's just such a such a um kind of i don't know just typical um type of story that that has happened um and it needs to be i think called out a lot because anti-free speech culture on universities is so big like i guarantee if i was in university and i wouldn't go uni because i think for the most part uni is an absolute scam to the core i think university is pretty much a delay for life for a lot of people it's almost a cushion for the real world you know like when you look at what university is majority of people who go to university don't go to university for a specific thing that can help them they'll do some broad thing that has little to no impact in many sectors of going into in fact some sectors actually say they actually prefer if you don't have a degree because then they know that you're independent and you're more free thinking because you haven't gone with and i know that not majority of people go to university but it has become like hmm, what do i do what do i do oh i'm scared right go university that's that's kind of the default and that's why i think a lot of people who don't go to university are actually more independent and almost more i actually think more switched on now people will get triggered me saying that but i think the reason is because to not go to university nowadays is to actually kind of be a bit anti-establishment and go go against the grain big time because you know when schools are told oh go to uni go like i remember in my school when i said i didn't want to go uni there was almost like an ostracization of not going to uni it's like you want good GCSEs, so you can go to college you want good college grades so you can go to university you want good university degrees all this but then the more the more i grew up the more i was like this is all fucking bollocks there's a thing called the internet. There's a thing called YouTube. You can teach yourself 90% of everything. Yeah, sure. Lawyers, uh, medicine. I completely appreciate, y- you know, you have to, or it's extremely vital for it. I appreciate there's so many roles where university is great. And I, I support that. However, I think for the most part, university is an absolute scam of people who, it's just a way of delaying real life. People don't want to face the fact that when you leave college, you're in the big wide world. And to most people, they've been so institutionalized from our crap education system. They want to hide in that kind of, we're going to tell you what to do bubble by keeping you in this conformed space. So most people go, hmm, I'm scared of life. So let me just go to uni, party, um, you know, do all that. And then boom, they're 23 years old. They get out of uni. They're like, holy fucking shit. What have I been doing with my life? And now they're even more panicked because they've wasted all that time. And so that's why I think university, for the most part, is a scam. And I think I said uh, I said it quite well there. So big up me. <laughs> but it's been an absolute blast. I've had a good one. It's been another solo episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's episode 44 of the Radical English Gentleman. It's just kind of a little one, you know, getting on ground with the new the new prime minister. It's not looking good. He's an elite. He's a pusher of CBDCs. It's a bleak future ahead. He doesn't seem to be helping people from the first PMQs with Keir Starmer. However, he did call out some of the bollocks originally. So got a bit of faith there. And as always, thanks so much for watching. Fucking love you all. Really do. 
big episodes coming soon i've recorded a really good episode yesterday so i'm absolutely buzzing to get that one out but yeah so much so many more episodes coming soon absolutely love you um yeah just keep 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 on you know growing your mind expanding what you're thinking because that's what it's about it's not it's not a thing about being right or wrong it's just a thing about kind of growing your perspective you know that was a big game changer for me when i was like i i used to always kind of want to be right and shit and then i realized oh it you know life isn't about being right or being wrong it's about growing your perspective and being kind to people you know that's what it's about it's not about being right all the time i think that's a very kind of key um lesson and what i want this podcast to be is kind of just a way of saying to people it's okay to think differently it's okay to kind of it's okay to um think certain things or whatever and grow your understanding as you go but a lot of those people are ostracized and attacked but instead you know there's in the liberty movement there's a lot of people with different views but at the end of the day we all believe in liberty and i think that's an important thing but i'm on an absolute ramble here what i'm at what the fuck i'm actually talking about but yeah like fucking love you all uh if you are listening on rumble bitch shoot give it a like if you listen on youtube smash like means so much if you're listening to spotify apple podcast be so much to, if you could give it the rating it really would but anyway, thank you so much for watching this and all. Fucking love you. Love doing this. Best decision of my life was doing this podcast. And you guys are making it even better listening. So thank you so much. But anyway, I will catch you all episode 45, Thursday at 6 o'clock next week. Peace.